Lord, may the words that come from my mouth make sense because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it has been a week of milestones in our family. Last Sunday, exactly on that day, seven years ago, I began my ministry here with you in Rabina. Um, there is this um, biblical tradition um, that you might be aware of that's called a year of jubilee, which means after seven years working, you get a whole year off. Just putting it out there. Just putting it out there. Um, on Tuesday, though, we began a big week of school milestones um, with farewells um, for Annika finishing year 12 and a big day with uh, Caleb graduating from year 6, which all culminated in Leanne and I nervously watching our daughter drive off for five nights in Noosa yesterday. Pray for her. Pray for us. We did get a text message this morning. She's alive. Hallelujah. Four nights to go. Nobody's counting. Uh, But today is a day of milestones as well. Not just because we've reached the end of our series, God is Possible, Our Mission, but also because it is the end of 2020. I've heard countless people say over the last few months that they can't wait for 2020 to end. I wish it had hurry up and end already. Well, according to the church calendar, today it does. Next Sunday is a new church year as we begin a season of expectation in Advent. It has been a big year, hasn't it? What better way to finish a series and what better way to finish a year of apocalyptic proportions with an apocalyptic passage which has the subtle subtitle in my Bible, The Judgment of the Nations. This is a confronting passage with sheep not knowing or realising that they had inadvertently been doing the right thing and goats being confronted with the unrealised inaction and condemned to eternal punishment. This is not one of those make-you-feel-good-about-yourselves type of parables. Jesus is at his confrontational best as he finishes his teaching ministry and turns towards the cross in Matthew's Gospel. And the more that you look at this passage in context, the more confronting it actually gets. When we think about sheep and goats in our world, we think of two very different types of animals. One is fluffy and woolly, and the other is not. But in Jesus' time, in his context, sheep and goats were often indistinguishable to everyone except for the shepherd. And when Jewish people heard stories about sheep and shepherds, as Cecil told us in the story, it immediately brought up all that Old Testament imagery about kings and their people. So the initial imagery of this parable reminds us that it's not enough to look like everyone else. It's not enough just to belong to the right group or the culture or the church. What matters is somewhat deeper than the superficial. 
And while we do live in a very superficial world, that's not the direction that I wanted to go on this morning. I want to talk about what we think of goats. I think we live in a world where being a goat is revered. It's something that people aspire to. You see, a goat stands for greatest of all time. Australian cricketer Nathan Lyon for a number of years has been called the goat because he's taken more wickets than any other off-spinner in Australia's history. At the moment, there's quite a heated debate in, in the US. Not the one that you think about, but more importantly, it's about basketball. Michael Jordan versus LeBron James, who is the GOAT? If you are the greatest, do you really need a king? And when you think about it, if we're living in a world that aspires to be individual greatness glorified, then is anybody looking for a king? I'm sure sociologists are finding 2020 uh, one of the richest years in human history. I've always been um, interested in the science of the way that people connect with and relate to each other. Um, I've often said that I've, in, a, in, a, in another career, if I was going to have another career, which I'm not going to have another career, uh, I wouldn't mind being a social, sociologist. Um, but I get to preach about sociology, so I sort of cover two bases. Um, but one of the things that sociologists are saying, and certainly I've noticed, is that we as a community are becoming way more polarised into the left and the right or the right and the wrong. We get outraged when someone tries to tell us what to do. But God help them if they try and tell us that we can't do something that we think that we have a right to do. Is this the type of society that's looking for kings? So what does the fact that today is the feast of Christ the King in the church calendar say in a world that doesn't seem that interested in kings and much more interested in goats? As I said, this is not a friendly parable. It's certainly not a bedtime story type parable. Jesus was forthright, he was radical, and he was even outrageous to his audience with these words. So I don't think that we should treat this parable with kid gloves. I'm just waiting for you to get the reference. Oh, there's an audible groan from a few people. Kid gloves, goats, kids, yep, no. They didn't get it at 7.30 either. I've missed my calling, I think. But we've been looking at making God possible over the last seven weeks. Possible for others. It's our mission. But I'm going to end this series with a big question. It might seem like an obvious and dumb question, but I think it's an important one for us to finish with. Is God possible for you? How can we make God possible for others if God's not possible for us? Yes, I know we're part of that faithful remnant. Some of us who are gathered in church buildings, amongst the bravest of the brave, 
And kudos to you if you've got this far in um, the video or the live stream or the podcast. But being part of a gathered group, whether it's physically or online, isn't enough if I'm hearing this parable correctly. If we want to believe that there is room for God to be possible in this world, we have to ask ourselves, have we allowed room for God to be possible in our own lives? Sheep, by nature, are dependent on the shepherd. Goats, by nature, have a reputation for being independent, opinionated, and curious at best, but dangerous and destructive at worst. When I'm asked to list some of my character traits, I think of words like hardworking, reliable, innovative, passionate, resilient, dashingly handsome. Well, maybe too far. But in my long list of things that I would think of, that I see myself as, I would list independent, opinionated and curious way before I would even think of the word dependent. I do pray that I'm never dangerous or destructive, but the reality is the long list of things that describe me sound a lot like I don't really need to have a king because I've got it all together. The truth is, and I'm sure this is no surprise to you, that I haven't. I am no goat church leader and I have no aspirations to be a goat church leader. Without having allowed room for God to be possible in our own lives, if we have not been dependent on God and especially the power of the Holy Spirit in and through God's people, then anyone in any type of church ministry role, voluntary or paid, is going to end up dangerous and destructive. We don't need a greatest of all time anything in the life of the church because we already have Christ the King. But for Christ to be that King, we have to be dependent. If the last seven years has taught me anything, certainly the last seven months has confirmed it. We are dependent on each other. We need each other. We cannot do it alone. The first vision that emerged in 2014 was that we were a church to become known for its relationships. And last year we were crying out for even more. But what does this actually mean for us right now after enduring what has been one of the hardest years for many of us? I was listening to a podcast earlier this week when the person being interviewed made this statement which really made me stop. We all know that church hasn't closed during this pandemic, but many of us have acted like it has. Wow. When you think about it, we are not dependent on the Premier to relax the seating rules in the church buildings for us to gather. We aren't restricted by the Archbishop 
by not allowing individual cups for communion to have a sense of sacredness. We are not waiting for it to be practical to serve a cup of coffee after church so that we can talk to our friends or introduce ourselves to somebody that we don't know. We don't have to wait until life gets less busy or less frantic to reconnect with weekly worship, Bible study or personal reflection. We don't have to have rosters working efficiently so that we can tell our children about the love of God. Yet, if we're really honest with ourselves, haven't we done some of those things? Or all of those things? Our biggest enemy at the moment is not COVID-19. It's not the state of the world today. It's not some unnamed evil power. The biggest enemy of the church at the moment is the indifference of the people of God who have not actually made enough room in their own lives for God to be possible. Who are claiming Christ as king but really have very little dependence on anyone other than themselves, let alone Christ himself. Unfair? Maybe. Too much? Maybe. Too far? Perhaps. I know I'm generalising. Because I know I'm okay. And I know you're okay too. But have a listen to this passage or part of it again. How does it make you feel when you hear the goats crying out, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not care for you? What are we prepared to risk to make God possible for others? Maybe we need to start with risking our pride and admitting that we haven't got it all together and we cannot do it on our own. Maybe we need to risk our precious time and think of how we can allow ourselves to decrease while Christ increases. Maybe we risk our comfort and personal space by not considering what we can do without, but rather risking what others actually need that we already have. Maybe we risk our preconceptions of what we are supposed to be or what are we supposed to be doing when we gather together how or where we should sit, how or where we should stand, the words that we should say or the words that we should sing and risk those for tunes and words and practices that resonate with those that who, are, who are not here yet. Maybe we could even risk the present for the future. God is possible. Our mission It becomes redefined when we consider a move outwards, away from this building, away from our homes, away from ourselves, and towards others as actually a move towards God, God's self. Can we be found extending grace, practicing generosity, 
and demonstrating godliness, not because we think that we should be doing that or we have to do that. Can we be like those sheep who just suddenly realize there's a sense of holy ignorance about what we're doing? Because we are so dependent on Christ the King. Can we be a glimpse of what it means to experience the love of God in Christ Jesus? And I wonder if you would be so bold as to join me as I pray this prayer. Dear God, we cannot be too dependent on you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he confronts what I am not and calls me to be more than I imagine I can be. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, make God possible for me so that I can be an authentic witness to make God possible to others. Amen.